welcome back to Sad Girl Study Guides. As always, I'm your host, Amelia, and as always, I'm sad. Before I dive into today's study guide subject, I do want to address the elephant in the room, which is the fact that I sound extremely sick. Don't worry, I'm not dying. I don't have any diseases. As far as I know, I don't have coronavirus. I'm just super congested. But beyond that, I actually feel really great. I've been going to the gym. I've been going to class. I've been writing my master's thesis. I feel totally normal. It's just that I can't breathe out of my nose and I sound like a slightly ill cartoon character whenever I talk. But beyond that, I'm fine. I just thought I would address that because a lot of you guys message me after I release podcast episodes and say you're worried about my voice. Even though my voice always sounds like it's about to vanish in a wisp of raspiness. And because it sounds even worse than usual, I just thought I would get out ahead of it. Yay. But enough about me and my voice and my fucked up nasal passages. Let's talk about today's study guide subject. Who is Elizabeth Woodville, the wife of Edward IV and the mother of Edward V, although it is very problematic of me to be defining her only in terms of the men in her life. Like so many, if not all of, the subjects of this little study guide series, you did not learn about her in high school because why would we learn about women who lived before 1850 in high school? But if you like really poorly written historical romances, you've you've almost certainly heard of her, and this is not calling out any particular romance authors. I really did enjoy Philippa Gregory novels when I was 13. Does my mother know I read them? Probably not. But hey mom, if you're listening, now you know. Anyways, Elizabeth Woodville's study guide involves several socially scandalous relationships, sanctuary, and a secret marriage. And yes, the alliteration was intentional. Let's begin. Elizabeth Woodville was born either in late 1436 or early 1437, most likely in Grafton, Northamptonshire. And that's all we know about where she was born and when she was born, because, as usual, it's a woman in the late Middle Ages, so why would we care about important things like her birth date? We also have some fun debate over her last name. We know it was pronounced Woodville, but we don't really have a standardized spelling because, let's face it, the English language wasn't really standardized until the late 1700s, early 1800s. The most fun spelling of her name that I found in the sources was W-Y-D-V-I-L-L-E, to which I say, 15th century English people, what are you doing? Elizabeth's parents were Sir Richard Woodville and Jaquetta de Luxembourg, the Duchess of Bedford. Her father was a knight who was decently friendly with the English royal family, but wasn't like extremely wealthy or well-connected or anything like that. Her mother, Jaquetta, however, was from a much more elite family, and in fact, Sir Richard was her second husband. Chiquetta's family was descended originally from King John of England, so yeah, her mother did technically have royal blood before the family moved to Luxembourg. Chiquetta's first husband was the brother of Henry V, 
So Jakarta had briefly been part of the Lancaster royal family. Big fucking deal. But then her husband died. Jakarta and Sir Richard met in 1435 when Jakarta came over from Luxembourg to England to claim her dowry after her first husband had died. Jakarta and Sir Richard fall in love on the spot, and they get married in 1436, which causes a huge scandal at court. Sir Richard briefly gets imprisoned over the whole thing because technically the two did get married without royal permission, and Jakarta ends up having to pay a pretty hefty fine to the English royal family in order to bail Sir Richard out. When Sir Richard is free, the two settle down at Grafton Castle in Northamptonshire and start having children. Elizabeth Woodville is the oldest of her parents' eventual 14 children, all but one of whom will survive childhood, which really is a pretty excellent track record by 1400s standards. While her father is a knight, and her mother technically is a lady, the Woodvilles aren't actually going to be considered members of the English nobility because they're not wealthy enough and her parents just don't have the best reputation. Growing up, Elizabeth's father is mostly going to be fighting in France in the Hundred Years' War and will end up getting knighted as a result. While the English forces aren't exactly doing a great job in the Hundred Years' War at this point, Sir Richard is a good enough fighter to be recognized for his skills on the battlefield. Meanwhile, Jaquetta is rising through the English court ranks, even though she's not really recognized as a member of the English nobility, and she ends up being chosen to help chaperone Henry VI's wife, Margaret of Anjou, to England, and Margaret and Jaquetta will become decently close, which will end up being fairly important in Elizabeth Woodville's later life. At the age of seven, Elizabeth leaves her family to be fostered with another noble family because that's the tradition in medieval England. And more importantly, the Woodville family is starting to run out of money because as it turns out, the Hundred Years' War is extremely expensive. So taxes are, so taxes are being raised, etc., etc. So why not have someone else raise your oldest kid? She ends up going to the Gray family. And during her time with the Greys, she is going to learn how to read, write, do math, speak French and Latin, and also get some legal education. All this means that Elizabeth is going to be extremely well-educated, and her education is going to be amazing, both by the standards of men and women, for the day. For the rest of her life, Elizabeth is going to have a reputation for being extremely intelligent. Also, she's going to start spending time at the royal court in London. She's going to serve as a maid of honor to Margaret of Anjou, thanks to her mother's connections, and during her time at court, she possibly gets proposed to by several high-ranking nobles, like the Welsh Marshal Sir Hugh Johns, and also develops a friendship with the very powerful Richard Earl of Warwick, who we talked about in the Cecily Neville, and Margaret of Anjou study guides. Elizabeth also, by this point, is extremely pretty. Contemporary sources say that she has eyes lidded like a dragon, which apparently was the hot look of the 1440s. Around 1452, Elizabeth gets 
married. She marries John Gray, the son of the family who had been fostering her. She's 14 when she gets married, or at least that's probably how old she was. The sources on exactly when the marriage happens are extremely vague, but we do know that she was married with at least one child between 1451 and 1455, which means she was probably 14 at the time of her marriage. She ends up having two sons with John Gray. There's Thomas, who is most likely born around 1455, and then there's Richard, who was born in 1457. We actually do know when Richard was born. Sorry, Thomas. During this period in Elizabeth's life, she is going to be living like an average country English woman. She's going to be running the Gray family manor and vaguely worrying about the Hundred Years' War, which is quickly segueing into the War of the Roses, which I've already discussed ad nauseum in the Cecily Neville and Margaret of Anjou podcasts. When the War of the Roses really develops, the Gray family is going to join on the Lancaster, aka the royal side, which shouldn't surprise us. After all, John Gray is married to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth and her mother both are extremely friendly with Margaret of Anjou, who is one of the leaders of the Lancasters. Elizabeth is going to continue having a good relationship with Margaret of Anjou, and she is eventually going to become Margaret's Lady of Bedchamber, which is one of the highest-ranking positions that a woman could have in the English royal court. So, as always, because we're talking about the War of the Roses, I am going to give you a quick little mini-recap, but I promise it is extremely quick and extremely mini Basically, by the 1450s, Henry VI straight up can't rule due to mental instability, and, uh, and the English royal court is getting more and more divided between the Lancasters under Henry VI's wife, Margaret of Anjou, and the Yorkists under Richard Plantagenet, the Duke of York. The first round of wars ends with Henry VI as king, but with the promise that Richard of York's family will get to inherit the throne as soon as Henry dies, instead of Henry VI's son getting to inherit. In 1459, war breaks out yet again, and Elizabeth's entire family, both the Greys and the Woodvilles, stay on the Lancaster side. Richard of York ends up getting killed in battle, so the Yorkists are now led by Richard's oldest son, Edward. In 1460, the Earl of Warwick names Richard of York's son, Edward, the King of England, and manages to briefly capture Henry VI. And this is when Elizabeth is going to re-enter the story. Because in 1461, we have this giant battle, the Battle of St. Albans, aka the battle that freed Henry VI from the Tower of London and could have won the war for the Lancasters, because, oh my gosh, the king is freed, we've beaten the Yorkists back, except that Margaret of Anjou is hesitant slash unable to march against London for various reasons, and Cecily Neville and the rest of the Yorkist forces are given a chance to breathe and regather themselves. In the Battle of St. Albans, Elizabeth's husband, John Gray, dies. And with John's death, Elizabeth loses control of all the Gray family lands. She has no land. She has no money. She has to go back to live with the Woodville family 
in Grafton. And she's only about 23 or 24 when this happens. So she's a widow. She's young. She has two young children. No money. She has to figure out a new way to make a life for herself. And in the middle of all of this, sometime after John Gray has died, Elizabeth does just that. She figures out the perfect way to make a new life for herself. She meets the future Edward IV of England, Cecily Neville's oldest son, who by now is well on the way to becoming the king. There are a lot of rumors of exactly how Elizabeth and Edward met. One story is that Elizabeth went to petition Edward so she and her sons could get an annual pension from the crown so they wouldn't starve to death, and he falls in love with her when he sees her standing under an oak tree, and she wasn't that interested in him, and he was super intrigued by that because she was basically the first woman to not fall in love with him as soon as seeing him, and he pursued her and they ended up getting married. Another story says that Edward wanted to sleep with her, and Elizabeth refused because she was virtuous and pure, and said she wouldn't sleep with him unless they were married, and kept refusing to sleep with him even when he threatened to kill her, and he was so impressed with her virtue and strength that he proposed and she agreed, which is a really problematic story for a whole bunch of reasons. Yet another story says that she and Jaquetta cast a love spell on Edward to make him fall in love with her so that Elizabeth could take control of the Yorkists, which seems pretty unlikely because love spells just don't exist. No matter what story you choose to believe, Elizabeth and Edward almost certainly did not meet until 1463, and their meeting definitely led to some sort of physical relationship because on May 1st, 1464, Edward and Elizabeth Woodville secretly got married. And when I say secretly got married, I mean the ceremony was extremely locked down. The only people present at the wedding were Elizabeth, Edward, Jaquetta, a priest, the priest's assistant, and possibly two knights to act as witnesses to make the whole thing official. But the two knights might not have even been there. As soon as the ceremony is done, Edward and Elizabeth go to a bedroom, they consummate the whole thing, and then Edward leaves to go hunting and to go off being a king. The two manage to keep their relationship secret for several more months. News of the marriage doesn't go out until September 1464, when the government pressure on Edward to marry a European princess gets extremely heavy. Finally, Edward's like, look, the reason why I keep turning down all these possible wives is because, well, surprise, I already have a wife and her name is Elizabeth Woodville. Elizabeth will officially get introduced to the English court on September 29th, 1464. The marriage of Elizabeth and Edward causes a lot of drama, and most of it is not good drama. Although, is drama really ever a good thing? Unless it's on a reality show and you're just watching it for fun. Technically, at the time of the marriage, Edward was in the middle of some pretty serious negotiations with a variety of European princesses in order to strengthen his somewhat shaky claim to the English throne. And the fact that he has just thrown those negotiations 
out of the window really pisses off a lot of his advisors, especially Richard, the Earl of Warwick, aka the Kingmaker, who was basically the one responsible for Edward even getting the throne, and who was very key in setting up these various marriage negotiations. Also, the fact that the King of England has just secretly married a woman who, one, is five years older than him, and two, is from a non-noble and historically scandalous family causes a big to-do in English society. Elizabeth only has two things working in her favor at this time. One, she is clearly capable of having sons, which is always a good thing when you're married to the King of England. And two, she is super pretty, which I know sounds weird, but in the 1400s, beauty was tied to goodness. If you were beautiful, people assumed that you were just a morally upstanding person, which is one of the many reasons why I would have done so badly in that time period and probably would have been murdered right away. On May 26th, 1465, Elizabeth Woodville was officially crowned Queen of England at Westminster Abbey. The entire Woodville family was there. The coronation ends up being a huge to-do. Edward makes a ton of new knights in honor of the coronation, his new queen. The ceremonies are extremely elaborate as befits the time period. We have over 900 angel wings made out of peacock feathers and over, over 3,000 people are invited to the main banquet, which gives a sense of the scale of the ceremony. Elizabeth and Edward's oldest child is born about five months after the coronation. Once again, it's a little bit unclear. Some sources say that Elizabeth of York was born in 1464. Some say that she was born in 1465, and others say that she was born as late as 1466, which is a wide range of times because you are not gestating an infant for two years. That is not how pregnancy works. No matter when Elizabeth was born, both the Earl of Warwick and Cecily Neville agreed to act as the baby's godparents, which suggests that Edward, at least on the surface, had managed to smooth over some of the drama of his marriage. Elizabeth and Edward end up having 10 children, eight of whom survive past childhood. Their children will be Elizabeth of York, who is born in 1465, 1466-ish, Mary of York, who is born in 1467, Cecily of York, who is born in 1469, and honestly, the fact that it takes so long for one of their daughters to be named after Cecily of Neville probably was a massive slap in the face. We have Edward of York in 1470, who would become Edward V. We have Richard of York in 1473, who would be one of the two princes in the tower. Anne of York in 1475, Catherine of York in 1479, and lastly, Bridget of York in 1480. After the birth of Elizabeth of York, Elizabeth Woodville is going to be pretty firmly cemented as queen. She's made it clear, yes, she can have children. She's doing her job. And then her Woodville family and her children from her first marriage also enter court and get a bit of a reputation for being extremely 
social climbing. Her sons and her brothers start getting lordships and begin demanding the best positions in the royal court. They're even promoted above Edward's own siblings. For example, Elizabeth organizes it, so one of her younger brothers marries a much older and extremely wealthy widow, the Duchess of Norfolk, so that he can inherit all of her land, which is extremely obvious and extremely scandalous. She also works on setting up some extremely good marriages for her children. For example, she engages her second son, Richard Gray, to Anne Mowbray, who is one of the major landowners in England, and also tries to set up a marriage between her oldest daughter, Elizabeth of York, and the son of the King of France. But Elizabeth's time just sitting back, pushing out babies, and being queen isn't going to last all that long, because in 1469, the Earl of Warwick starts to rebel against Edward and Elizabeth Woodville, mostly because he's so annoyed over the secret marriage and the fact that Edward is starting to prefer the Woodville family over him. The rebellion really kicks off when this peasant, Robin of Redsdale, starts a conflict in Yorkshire over taxes. This conflict quickly picks up steam, more and more people are joining, and Warwick becomes the leader and convinces Edward's younger brother, George of Clarence, who is married to one of Warwick's daughters, to join the rebellion. By 1470, the rebellion gets bad enough and Margaret of Anjou is hooked into it enough that Edward has to flee London. At first, Elizabeth prepares for a siege in the Tower of London, and she's just going to wait it out. But then it becomes clear that Warwick's army would be able to take out the Tower of London and capture her, and she cannot fall in to enemy hands. So Elizabeth, who is extremely pregnant at this point, and her three daughters and her mother flee to Westminster Abbey and claim sanctuary there. And that works because we're in this time period where no one is going to break sanctuary, especially not at Westminster Abbey. During that fun little ordeal of being pregnant and having to escape and being holed up in Westminster, in Westminster Abbey, Elizabeth is going to give birth to her first son with the king, Edward of York, in November 1470. While all this is happening, Elizabeth's father, Sir Richard, has technically joined up with the Warwick side of the rebellion, which makes sense because technically the Woodvilles had been on the Lancaster side of the War of the Roses, and Warwick technically is fighting for the Lancaster cause since he is allied with Margaret of Anjou, and Sir Richard ends up getting executed for his whole role in the rebellion in 1469. During the rebellion, Elizabeth's mother, Jaquetta, does briefly get accused of witchcraft by Warwick, but she manages to escape any trial or being executed or burned at the stake or any real drama from that. By the spring of 1471, Edward IV has defeated Warwick, Warwick dies in a battle, and Margaret of Anjou is firmly out of the picture, as is Henry VI. The two are sent to the Tower of London, where Henry VI dies under mysterious circumstances, and Margaret of Anjou will just chill as a political prisoner for a bit. 
Because Edward IV is firmly back on the throne, Elizabeth and her children are able to leave the sanctuary at Westminster Abbey and rejoin Edward and present him with his first son and heir. It's all very exciting. After Edward is firmly back on the throne and doesn't have to deal with any more possible rebellions, Elizabeth does get to do some fun stuff as queen. She helps fund Queen's College at Cambridge University and saves Eton from being absorbed into another school. Given the current problematic state of Eton in 2020, we can debate whether or not that was a good choice. She also is going to donate a ton of money to Westminster Abbey because Duh, they saved her fucking life. But she also did some not-so-great stuff, like using her influence to get a mayor of London who she didn't like arrested and forced to pay a huge fine. By 1474, the domestic situation in England is stable enough that Edward is able to get more involved in various foreign affairs. He tries to set up an alliance with Brittany and Burgundy to invade France to restart... England and France's conflict and try to regain territory from France, Edward ends up going to France to fight, and while he's gone, Elizabeth gets the chance to act as a regent, and nothing major gets set on fire, so good job, Elizabeth. Edward's little invasion of France basically fails, Brittany and Burgundy pull out, but the King of France pays Edward over £15,000 plus £10,000 per year, from there on out to stay out of France, which means that the royal English court moving forward will have a ton of money. And this is going to be a really good thing, because the royal court under Elizabeth and Edward has a reputation for being super fancy and extremely over the top. It's all about precedence and details. For example, a single cup that Edward and Elizabeth own includes sapphires, and apparently a unicorn horn, even though, as we all know, unicorns don't exist. However, the court is decently cost-efficient because Elizabeth and Edward use specialized servants, which means servants don't have to be trained in everything and you don't have to constantly be replacing people, which means that the court doesn't need a ton of taxes to run. And also, Edward has all this money from France that he has, so it's not like taxes are ballooning during his reign. Overall, Elizabeth's relationship with Edward has his ups and downs. Obviously, Edward is super into her. I mean, look at how the relationship started, look at how many kids they had, but Edward also has affairs. He has a reputation for really liking to party. By the 1480s, Edward's main mistress is a woman named Jane Shore. Her name also may have been Elizabeth Shore because, as always, same old story. We just don't know that many details because she's a woman. And Jane slash Elizabeth was the wife of a London goldsmith who cozied up to Edward. And the relationship between Jane and Edward does cause a massive rift in Edward and Elizabeth Woodville's relationship. As far as we know, Elizabeth was nothing but faithful to Edward, probably because she had no choice to be anything but faithful to Edward. Because at this point in time, women couldn't really have affairs while their husbands were, because welcome to the double standard. But then, on April 9th, 1483, 
Elizabeth Woodville's life completely changes when her husband, Edward IV, dies extremely suddenly. Most of Edward's contemporaries say that his death was God's judgment because he was living such a dissolute, partying lifestyle, but most likely it was just caused by a cold because in the 1400s they didn't know what germs were and never washed their hands, which is a good life lesson in all of us to practice good hygiene. Edward's death means that Elizabeth is no longer the queen. However, she isn't going to be completely out of the picture because her son, Edward of York, is technically the king. Edward of York isn't an adult yet, he's only 13, so Elizabeth is going to be Queen Dowager. However, she's not going to be regent. Instead, that position is given to Edward's youngest and only surviving brother, Richard the Duke of Gloucester. In 1483, Richard the Duke of Gloucester is a bit of an unknown quantity because while he's known for being amazing on the battlefield, he hadn't really been present at court before, so no one really knows what he's like. At the beginning, Richard and Elizabeth do have a pretty solid working relationship, but pretty quickly, Richard starts to push Elizabeth to the sidelines, and then he starts saying that actually Elizabeth and Edward were never really married because when they met, Edward was betrothed to someone else, so the marriage wasn't legally valid because in the 1400s, betrothal was basically legally binding like marriage, and that would mean Edward had two legal wives, and everyone knows that bigamy is a big no-no. Also, Richard says that Edward IV was not a legitimate king because he was Cecily Neville's illegitimate son, a conspiracy theory which we discussed in the Cecily Neville episode, which would mean that Edward V also would not be a legitimate king. Suddenly, with Richard spreading all this fake news about her son's legitimacy and casting real aspersions on her own reputation, Elizabeth Woodville gets worried. And it's about to get a whole lot worse. On May 3rd, 1483, less than a month after her husband dies, Richard sends Edward V to the Tower of London for his own protection. On the same day, he also arrests Elizabeth's brother and her sons from her first marriage, which is never a good sign. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Woodville does what she does best. She picks up her children and flees to Westminster Abbey and claims sanctuary. She literally has to break down the abbey walls to get her retinue and her furniture in. Pretty soon after she arrives, at Westminster Abbey, the Archbishop of Canterbury interferes and tells her that she has to give up custody of her other son, Richard, to Richard of Gloucester, the regent, if she wants the rest of her family to be able to claim sanctuary. Obviously, giving up her other son to Richard isn't going to go well. Edward and Richard will be known to history as the princes in the tower, and as far as we know, 
Their uncle did end up having them killed, although there are some theories that Henry Tudor organized it all, but that's not really here nor there. Elizabeth also ends up having to give up custody of all of her children to Richard, so she's lost control of her family. And this really isn't going to go well, because as it turns out, Richard does not have the best of intentions when it comes to Elizabeth Woodville's children. Yes, he's not going to murder any more of them, but he does try to marry her oldest daughter, aka his niece, Elizabeth of York, which is incredibly creepy and kind of gives me Count Olaf in the first series of Unfortunate Events vibes. During her time stuck in Westminster Abbey, Elizabeth Woodville is just not having the political situation on the ground. She is pissed that her creepy brother-in-law has murdered her children and is now making moves on her daughter. So she starts making plans with the Tudor family to push Richard off of the throne and fine, maybe those plans do involve marrying her oldest daughter to Henry Tudor, even if he doesn't have the best claim to the throne, and her daughter does. All of this will culminate on August 14, in August 1485 with the Battle of Bosworth Field. Henry Tudor invades England to fight against Richard at the start of the month. Basically, Henry Tudor, who I will go into more detail about in the Margaret Beaufort episode, was set up as the only male legitimate alternative to Richard III, who by that point is not exactly popular. Henry Tudor gets his claim due to his mother's Beaufort blood, aka they were both descended from Edward III via John of Gaunt. However, Henry Tudor really does not have a strong claim and needs to invade and prove himself in battle because welcome to the 1400s. By August 22nd, Henry is finally ready to face down Richard. This happens on Bosworth Field. He ends up winning because most of the major English nobles either abandon Richard in the battle or just refuse to fight. So Henry's able to win. Huzzah! As soon as Henry kills Richard, and names himself King of England, Elizabeth Woodville's life sees a pretty major change. She officially is recognized as Queen Dowager yet again. Henry Tudor agrees to recognize the most likely dead, Edward V, as King, and the rest of her children with Edward IV are once again recognized as legitimate, which is a huge step up from how she was treated under Richard III's reign. In January 1486, Elizabeth's oldest daughter, Elizabeth of York, marries Henry Tudor, which unites the remnants of the Lancaster and York families with the House of Tudor, which finally ends the War of the Roses. Oh my gosh, you guys, it took so long. Even though the marriage has ended the War of the Roses, the series on the War of the Roses will not end in the study guide just yet. However, Elizabeth and Henry's marriage was not all good for Elizabeth Woodville. Technically, she should get back all the lands that she was due as the widow of a king and the mother of the king, 
but she only gets a small portion of them, and Henry gives her a much smaller pension than she was expecting, which causes quite a bit of early tension between Elizabeth and the Tudor family. Soon after the marriage, Elizabeth Woodville moves to some land in Westminster that she had bought, which hints that maybe, just maybe, she wanted to retire to a more quiet life. However, Elizabeth Woodville is not really going to get her chance to have a more quiet life, because in 1487, she gets accused of attempting to overthrow Henry VII in the Lambert Simnel mess. Basically, Lambert Simnel was this rando who was simultaneously pretending to be both the Earl of Warwick's son and Richard of York, the Prince in the Tower, in order to destabilize Henry Tudor's claim to the throne. This overthrowing completely fails. Lambert Simnel very quickly gets defeated and is sent to work in Henry VII's kitchen, and Elizabeth almost certainly was not that deeply involved. She probably knew about the plot, but probably didn't play a significant role in it, but she's still deeply blamed. Because she is the queen's mother, she can't be physically punished, but she has all of her dowry lands confiscated by Henry VII. She is separated from her daughter and is sent to Bermondsey Abbey. She will stay at the Abbey for most of the rest of her life. She gets to make one final public appearance in 1489 when she greets the French ambassador. Elizabeth Woodville ends up dying either on June 7th or June 8th, 1492, at Bermondsey Abbey from some sort of illness. At the time of her death, she doesn't own any land of her own or any real possessions, which is made painfully clear in her very short and frankly kind of sad will. And the reason why she doesn't really own any land of her own is because her mother-in-law, Cecily Neville, was still alive and owned any lands of Edward that weren't controlled by the crown that Elizabeth might have inherited from marriage. Elizabeth ends up being buried next to her second husband, Edward IV, in St. George's Chapel, and she has an extremely low-key funeral with no pomp or ceremony, which was a really controversial point for centuries. However, there may have been a legitimate reason for this low-key and rushed funeral. There is a letter from 1511 that wasn't rediscovered until 2019 that says that Elizabeth Woodville probably died of the bubonic plague and Henry VII was really worried that everyone would get sick because he was a famous hypochondriac and that's the reason why he pushed through her funeral so quickly. Even though she had a fairly short life, she was only 55 when she died, Elizabeth Woodville's legacy definitely lives on. She's a character in Shakespeare's Henry VI plays and in Richard III, and she's had the honor to be played in that role by Annette Benning, which is a huge honor if you ask me. And for most contemporary audiences, they probably know her from the Philippa Gregory novels about her and the mini and the miniseries based on those novels where she was played by Rebecca Ferguson 
yes, I will admit I did read Philippa Gregory's White Queen and White Princess novels. I did not find them very good. They're extremely historically inaccurate. Although, so are Shakespeare's plays. So maybe we're just putting down women's work at the expense to prop up men's work. Who knows? So, for those fans of the study guide who prefer bullet points to a full-on lecture, let's quickly do a recap of the life and times of Elizabeth Woodville. Elizabeth Woodville was most likely born in 1437, we don't really know, and her parents were Sir Richard Woodville, a decent knight, and Jaquetta de Luxembourg, who had very, very good connections and had once been married to Henry V's brother. Her family were well off, but not quite noble, and as a result of this, Elizabeth is going to be fostered with another noble family before joining the royal court in London, where she will serve as a maid of honor to Margaret of Anjou. Elizabeth has a reputation for being extremely intelligent and very beautiful. When she's around 14, she ends up marrying John Gray, the son of the family who had fostered her, and she and John will have two children, Thomas and Richard. During the War of the Roses, both the Woodville and the Gray family will join firmly on the Lancaster side. Her husband, John Gray, will die in the Battle of St. Albans, aka the battle that freed Henry VI from Yorkist control. With her husband's death, Elizabeth loses the Gray family lands and has to take her two children and move back to the Woodville home. Because she's only 23 or 24 when this happens, she needs to make a new plan. And as part of this plan, she ends up meeting with Edward IV of England, the head of the Yorkists. And he falls in love with her. The two hit it off. They get into some sort of relationship, which leads to them secretly getting married in May 1464. The marriage is made public in September 1464 and is extremely controversial because, one, Edward was supposed to marry a European princess, two, Elizabeth is five years older than Edward, and three, she isn't a noblewoman and comes from an extremely scandalous family. Despite this, Elizabeth is crowned Queen of England and she and Edward will go on to have eight surviving children. Once Elizabeth is crowned Queen of England, her Woodville family members enter the English court and quickly start social climbing, which makes everyone extremely pissed off. No one is more pissed off than Edward's old friend, the Earl of Warwick, who basically starts a rebellion against Edward. The Earl of Warwick and Margaret of Anjou join forces in the rebellion and manage to push Edward off of the throne. While all this is going on, Elizabeth is extremely pregnant. To avoid being captured by Warwick's forces, she flees to Westminster Abbey and gives birth to her first son with Edward there. By 1471, Edward IV manages to regain power, and Elizabeth is able to rejoin with her husband and present him with a son and heir to the throne. For the rest of Edward's reign, things are going to go fairly well, Yes, Edward is going to blatantly cheat on Elizabeth, but they are going to have quite a bit of money due to a nice little arrangement that Edward sets up with the King of France, where France gives England about £10,000 per year. But then Edward died suddenly in 1483, most likely from a cold. His heir is his son, Edward V, who is only 13. 
because Edward V is too young to rule alone, Edward's brother, Richard the Duke of Gloucester, becomes a regent, and Richard pretty quickly becomes bad news. He sidelines Elizabeth Woodville, accuses her marriage of Edward of not being valid, and says that Edward IV wasn't actually legitimate, which means Edward V isn't legitimate. He then sends Edward V to the Tower of London, makes Elizabeth give up custody of all the rest of her children, also seizes her son Richard, most likely had both Edward and Richard murdered, and becomes king. Oh, and he tried to marry his niece, Elizabeth's oldest daughter, also named Elizabeth. Yeah, Richard III just isn't good news for Elizabeth Woodville. And Elizabeth knows this, so she forms an alliance with the Tudor family to try to get Henry Tudor on the throne to push Richard out. This ends up happening in August 1485 with the Battle of Bosworth Field. Henry Tudor becomes Henry VII of England and ends up marrying Elizabeth's oldest daughter, Elizabeth of York, to unite the two families and end the War of the Roses once and for all. However, after the marriage, Elizabeth of Woodville doesn't get all of her lands back and tension between the two families quickly picks up. Elizabeth ends up getting accused of trying to overthrow Henry VII in the Lambert Simnel mess, even though she almost certainly wasn't all that involved, and in response has her remaining lands confiscated and is sent to live out the rest of her life in Bermondsey Abbey. She ends up dying in the Abbey at the age of 55 in June 1492, almost certainly of the bubonic plague. So yeah, that's Elizabeth Woodville. I think most people, when they think of her, just think of the romance between her and Edward, but hopefully the study guide has shown that she was more than just this romantic meeting. She also had, like, agency escaping from London during a siege and claiming sanctuary. That takes guts. Trying to fight against Richard III, even though it wasn't successful, I would argue that also takes guts. Yes, she was never quite successful, but she tried, and I really do think that's what counts. Most of my research for this episode came from Joan Johnson Lewis's article on Elizabeth for Thought Co., Milan Solly's article for Smithsonian, Did Elizabeth Woodville, England's White Queen, Die of the Plague, David Baldwin's book, Elizabeth Woodville, Mother of the Princes in the Tower, and Amy License's book, Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville, A True Romance. As always, for a full list of sources and relevant images, you can visit the website, sadgirlstudyguides.com. If you have questions, concerns, or ideas for a future topic or podcast episode subject, you can email the podcast at sadgirlstudyguide at gmail.com. Next week, we'll be tackling Margaret Beaufort, and before that, there will also be a tangent cast on Patreon for patrons at the $5 a month level or above about Jaquetta of Luxembourg. As always, I'm on social media at Twitter at SadGirlStudyPod and on Instagram at SadGirlStudy. You can also financially support the podcast by becoming a patron. We're on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash sadgirlstudyguides. The best way to help the podcast grow is tell a friend, 
or subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. And let me know how I'm doing. Rate or review or else I'll be sad. Thanks!